Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. We had a big, thick manual that we worked through every week. We had homework to do. We'd, we'd meet together. There'd be a sermon um, about one of the chapters in the manual. And then we'd split off into small groups. We would confess our sins of the week and we would talk about our temptations that we'd struggled with and then they'd anoint us with oil and yeah that was it. From Mamma Mia, hi I'm Claire Murphy, welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Well it seems almost unthinkable that a young person in Australia today can still be told that being gay is disgusting or perverted, that being attracted to someone of the same sex means there's something wrong with you or that you're possessed by an unholy demon. That's what happened to Chris Chaps, whose voice you just heard. Soon, he along with Dr Timothy Jones, the author of the report into gay conversion therapy here in Australia, are going to explain the damage the religious practice can cause. I prayed to God every day, God, just, I, I cannot see a light at the end of this. I've asked you to heal me. I've done everything right. I've been so strict with myself. So please just heal me or kill me. And I, I prayed to be in car accidents. I prayed for terrible things. And I meant those prayers because living as a gay man was not an option for me. When Chris Chabs was just 13, after years of confusing thoughts, he finally realised that he was attracted to other boys. Growing up in the church, though, he was told that that attraction was wrong, that he was somehow damaged or broken and that he needed to be fixed. That fix came in the form of gay conversion therapy, or, as it's sometimes called, sexual orientation change efforts. Chris, when you realised that you were gay, did you tell people straight away? Um, I didn't tell anyone until I was 16. I was way too frightened. I was really praying and hoping that it would go away or that somehow that it was something that would be gotten rid of. I mean, I was praying a lot that that it was just a phase and, you know, whatever. But when I was 16, I went to a pastor at church. He told me that he knew several homosexual people that had changed their sexuality through a well-known ex-gay ministry called Living Waters. And so he introduced me to the director of that. And no matter what anyone tells you or what the world is telling you, you know in your heart that what you're doing is a sin against the God who gave you life. You know it's wrong. You know it's unnatural. We, we all have known at one time or another people who are in that lifestyle and, and they've come out, they're married, they have children, they have families. God has blessed them and they're living in the manner that God intended. And that hope is available for you. That is one of Living Water's most prolific members, Kurt Cameron. Yes, the Kurt Cameron, former teen heartthrob and brother of full house star Candace Cameron speaking on his web chat show. For those of us who aren't religious, it's difficult to understand how a practice like this isn't illegal. Dr Tim Jones from La Trobe University is the author of a report into the nature, extent and impact of gay conversion therapy in Australia, which found it was practised by all religious groups in every state and territory in this country. 
This therapy isn't illegal anywhere. Victoria has just announced that it is going to start a process to make practices illegal or unlawful, but it is currently not illegal in any jurisdiction in Australia. All of the registered health practices in Australia have codes of practice which make conversion therapy unethical, but for people to be disciplined, complaints need to be brought by the people who've been subject to unethical practice, and that's not very likely given the nature of the practices. By and large, registered practitioners have gone undisciplined and unchecked. Despite the damage that this kind of therapy had caused to all of those who were interviewed in the research for Dr Tim's study, he still doesn't think making it illegal will work. A simple banning of the practice wouldn't be effective. So we've recommended a multifaceted approach to combat the harms of conversion therapy. We've recommended that it should be illegal for anybody to do conversion therapy with a minor because they can't consent to these kinds of practices and that it should be unlawful for professionals to engage in these practices. We didn't recommend that it become totally illegal because most people are adults in cultures which uh, do not accept sexual and gender diversity are enculturated into seeking out these practices. So the law is a pretty blunt instrument there. And what is really needed is cultural change. Fearing that he couldn't truly start his life until he'd rid himself of this homosexuality as soon as he'd finished high school, Chris started intense therapy at Living Waters Canberra. Chris, how did you feel walking through the door that day? Because of everything you've been told about being homosexual, did you feel that finally this would fix you? Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. I thought that it was my saving grace at the time. I thought that it was going to be what fixed me. That's one of the misconceptions people have about this is that, you know, oh, it's people being forced into these pray the gay away camps and things like that. But particularly in Australia, it's generally not like that. It's people who have basically been taught, well, brainwashed into thinking that they are broken and need healing or fixing somehow. And so they want to go and they want to be fixed. You've mentioned these pray the gay away camps, and we do hear Mm. a lot more about the extreme cases of gay conversion therapy. Mm. Absolutely. But it can be a lot more subtle than that, can't it? What you mentioned, I I read that you mentioned that it was more like going to AA meetings. Yeah, yeah. So Living Waters ran like an AA course. So we had a big, thick manual that we worked through every week. We had homework to do. We'd meet together. There'd be a sermon about one of the chapters in the manual. So, and like, I mean, I remember some bizarre things coming out in those sermons. I remember one of them, the guy up the front led us through a prayer for giving our mothers for denying us their breast, like for breastfeeding. So if we weren't breastfed, maybe that's why we're gay. Wow. You know? Okay. And, and we had to like... <laughs> yeah. We had to forgive our mothers and, you know, just stuff like that. And, you know, this idea that sins of the forefather could affect your sexuality. And so, like, you know, working out, oh, is there alcoholism in your family is, or are there any other homosexuals in the family? And maybe that's, that's a sin that's been passed down through the generations, that kind of idea. So, yeah, we, we'd have these sermons and then we'd split off into small groups. We would confess our sins of the week and we would talk about our temptations that we'd struggled with and then they'd anoint us with oil and yeah that was it um like I often talk to people about this and they go well hold on that doesn't sound that damaging so what's the problem what people don't understand is that it is not 
just the pseudotherapy that's the problem. It's the ideology that underpins it. This ideology that is teaching kids and, te- and adults as well, but teaching people that if they are LGBTIQ, that they are broken, that they are sick, that they have the potential to change and that they should change. And then you go through these programs, these formalized programs, and it just consolidates it and packs it down even further. And so by the time you come out, because you haven't been fixed or healed, you know, you're even more broken. How long did you stay at Living Waters for and how, how much of this process did you go through? So I did the full course. I think it was six months. And I was pretty disappointed and depressed afterwards because obviously it wasn't my saving grace and it didn't fix me. And the next several years I spent doing anything and everything that I could to try and fix it. And so, I mean, I I had already been celibate and so I stayed celibate, but like extreme celibacy. I didn't even look at guys. I would avoid men, um, even like when I was going to churches and things and guys would come up and say, oh, hi, how's it going? I would avoid them and I'd say, oh, sorry, I've got to go. Oh, I have to go to the toilet or something, you know, Mm. so that just in case by even talking to someone, it would like awaken something in me that was not of God, you know. I became extremely, well, really unable to function properly in society because I was so frightened that anything could kind of feed this demon of homosexuality that was inside me that I kind of shut myself off to a lot of people. And, you know, I mean, I tried exorcisms and all sorts of things. And by the end of it, by the time I was 24, I was actually broken and I was really deeply depressed, just without hope. I knew that I couldn't live my life that way because I was going to, it felt like if I kept going that I'd die or something because it was just it was just so impossible to keep that intensity of trying so hard to change something that seemed so innate and that just seemed like it was impossible to change. How could I keep that up? And I I, I prayed to God every day, God, just I cannot see a light at the end of this. I've asked you to heal me. I've done everything right. I've been so strict with myself. So please just heal me or kill me. And I, I prayed to be in car accidents. I prayed for terrible things, you know. And I meant those prayers because living as a gay man was not an option for me. It just was not an option because it was not of God and it was not the right path. So I would have preferred to have died at that point. Mm-hmm. And I thank God that my parents had watched this journey of their 10-year-old child to 24 and the damage that was caused by this ex-gay conversion ideology and the programs that I went through and all the other stuff, they really changed their beliefs because of that. And so they started to research for themselves and they started to question the theology and the ideology that they'd kind of grown up with. And they came to believe that being gay was fine before I did. And it was my mum that she took me out for coffee one morning and she said, Chris, you know, maybe the reason that God hasn't healed you is because you're actually not sick. There's actually nothing wrong with you. Um, and God, that I want to hug your mum so hard right now. <laughs> I know. I love my mum. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> but, you know, but it was the turning point. And it's not that as soon as she said that, I thought, oh, 
you're so right, mum, and then I was fine. It took years after mm. that for me to process. But her saying that and then sitting with me and explaining to me why they changed their ideology, I guess, and, you know, they helped me on my journey then of accepting that I was gay. How do you feel about the people who run those courses? It's so easy to demonise the people that run them and I do need to be fair to them in saying that they were actually (laughs) the people that I have encountered through this long journey of mine that were running these places are actually misguided good people. I'm not making excuses because what they do really damages people and it needs to be stopped and they need to be held accountable. But even now in myself, looking back, I can't demonize them because they actually loved me, you know, and they were really trying to to help me fix something that they believed needed to be fixed. And a lot of those people were actually gay and lesbian people themselves you know, who had also fallen for this ridiculous gay conversion ideology that they were broken, that they needed to be fixed. And so they were then helping other people to do that as well. And so, you know, a lot of the the perpetrators of gay conversion are actually victims themselves. Yeah. Remarkably, it sounds like you've come out the other side of this with your faith intact. What would, yeah. you, what would you say to someone of faith who might be facing the same thing that you did, what would your message be to them if they are looking around for a solution right now? It's a complex issue, sexuality and faith. So it's not something that can sort of be answered in a couple of sentences. But the main thing that I want to say is that God truly does love you as a person. The way that you are, he has made you to be that way and he actually adores you. You don't need to be healed because you're not sick. You don't need to be fixed because you are not broken. That is a beautiful message. And just finally, should this kind of therapy be banned here in Australia? We know the Victorian government has moved legislation to outlaw the practice of gay conversion therapy. Should this Mm. be a nationwide initiative? Absolutely, it should. In fact, I started a change.org petition about it. (laughs) So, yeah, if you want to sign that, please do. Absolutely, it should be be outlawed across Australia. However, simply passing a legislation or making a law around it is not going to be enough. There's actually a whole bunch of other things that need to happen for it to be an effective change. I got together with a whole bunch of other survivors of gay conversion therapy and wrote a statement called the So Survivor Statement that has a series of recommendations that include legislation, but also include things like tertiary education courses for counsellors and things like public health campaigns that target the messaging of the gay conversion ideology. Chris, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. It's really important. And please tell your mum, oh my God, she is (laughs) a gem. I will. She'll probably listen to this, so I'll make sure that she knows. That's it for today's quickie. If you'd like to sign Chris's change.org petition to put a stop to gay conversion therapy, you can find the link in our show notes. For more episodes of The Quickie, you can head to mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie. That's Q-U-I-C-K-Y.